Laird Superfood transformed my health routine. And one of their products that I love is the Performance Mushroom, which helps boost immunity and fight stress. All organically sourced, it can be easily blended into your daily routine, be it in your coffee, smoothies, or any other favorite drink. I also love their daily prebiotic greens, which are packed with whole fruits, veggies, and vital vitamins A, C, D, and K. Enhanced with gut-friendly adaptogenic mushrooms and a natural refreshing taste of pineapple, lemon oil, and orange oil. They're 40% more affordable than big brands, offering both a month supply for home and single-serve sachets for when life keeps you on the move. Get yours at LairdSuperfood.com and snag 20% off your first purchase using code ONPURPOSE20. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Atna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Atna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Most people lose their free will to those programs and it's that uncompromising will where you keep training the animal to stay to get beyond all the cravings, the feelings, the habits of the body, and catch yourself. The best-selling author and host. The number one health and wellness podcast. On Purpose with Jay Shetty. Hey everyone, welcome back to On Purpose, the number one health podcast in the world. Thanks to each and every one of you that come back every week to become happier, healthier, and more healed. Now, today's guest is a favorite of favorites, someone that I know you crave to come back onto the show. I know that you're always excited when I get to sit down with him. This is our third interview, I believe, in as many years. And I can't wait because there's some phenomenal research that he and his team have done that we'll be extrapolating and extracting from today's as well. Now, today's guest who I'm talking about is Dr. Joe Dispenza. His passion can be found at the intersection of the latest findings from the fields of neuroscience, epigenetics, and quantum physics to explore the science behind spontaneous remissions. Dr. Joe uses that knowledge to teach people how to heal from their bodies of health conditions, make significant changes in their lives, and evolve their consciousness. Dr. Joe is a New York Times best-selling author, researcher, lecturer, and corporate consultant, and he released his most recent project called Inspire, music and guidance to accompany the breath called Pulling the Mind Out of the Body. I can't wait for you to check it out. Welcome to the episode and podcast, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Joe, thank you so much. Good to see you, Jay. Uh, for being here. It's always good to see you. Always great to see you. You look really well. Thank you. Uh, and I, I want to say this online as well because... I want people to hear about, I love, I love getting people to hear about what people are like offline. You know, everyone watches your videos, they read your books, they listen to your meditations and I encourage them to continue to do so. But maybe probably around like seven, eight months ago, I reached out to you personally because I had someone in my life who deeply needed your support and they're a follower and a fan of yours and they've lived an incredibly service-based life as well. 
And I wouldn't necessarily just reach out, but I felt compelled by the people in my life. I reached out to you. Not only were you extremely responsive and immediate and fast, your team took such good care of them as well. And it was all last minute. It wasn't convenient to you. So I just wanted everyone to also know that offline, the, the love and care and compassion with which you work is is really beautiful. So thank you so much for doing that. Uh, thank you for the compliment, Jay. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, let, let's dive in today. There's so many things I want to talk about from... I want, I want to talk a bit about the heart. I want to talk about the brain. I want to talk about breath work and meditation and the amazing research you've done. The first thing I want to start with, though, which is something that I've been really fascinated by recently, is I think the most beautiful and powerful thing in the world is a repetitive thought. But sometimes the most dangerous thing in the world is a repetitive thought. Absolutely. And we think about the most beautiful things we create is because we're obsessed with this new idea and this new thought that we want to build something. But at the same time, we know countless people who they have a thought every day that says, I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, I don't deserve love in my life. If someone's having a negative, repetitive thought, specifically around self-worth, what they believe they deserve in love, where do they start with that thought? Well, we think primarily 90% uh, of the time we think the same thoughts as we thought the day before. The challenge with that is the thought that you keep thinking over and over again becomes a belief. And nerve cells that fire together wire together. So the more nerve cells fire, the more they develop long-term relationships and the more hardwired they become. The more hardwired they become, the more automatic they are. The more automatic they are, the more unconscious they become. So the process of change really requires becoming conscious of your unconscious thoughts, which means just because you have that thought doesn't necessarily mean it's the truth. If you have that thought and you accept it, you believe it, you surrender to it without analyzing it, that thought will lead to the same choice, which will lead to the same behavior, which will create the same experience, which then will produce the same emotion. The same emotions then drive our very same thoughts. In time, our biology, our neurocircuitry, our neurochemistry, our hormones, and even our gene expression stays the same because we're the same. So in the process of change, when you come up against that unconscious belief and you make it conscious, most people get uncomfortable uh, when they confront that thought. And they're stopping an automatic process. And the body, which has been conditioned to be the mind because it's doing something over and over again, that's a habit, is craving the experience because it wants the emotion associated with it, right? So the thought of being unworthy produces the feeling of being unworthy. That feeling then when the person feels unworthy tends to cause the person to think more unworthy thoughts. It only takes a thought and a feeling, an image of yourself and an emotion, a stimulus and response, and you can condition the body to memorize that behavior and that emotional state better than the conscious mind. So the moment we inhibit that thought or the moment we become conscious of it and we no longer accept it, there's a biological craving that takes place in the body because the body has been conditioned to be the mind. So the body starts influencing the mind to think more corresponding thoughts equal to that feeling. So here comes the assault. And you're not only unworthy, you're, you're everything else that goes along with that feeling. And this is where uh, people have to make up their mind if they truly want to change. Because if you decide to confront that thought and make a different choice, get ready because you're going to feel uncomfortable. Mm. It's going to feel unfamiliar. 
And it's gonna, there's going to be some uncertainty because you're stepping out of familiar territory. Now you're stepping out of the known and you're stepping into the unknown. Now, this is really when you leave the bleachers and you get on the playing field because the brain immediately looks around in its environment to see if anything's changing because you're changing. And you see that nothing in your world is changing because you actually haven't fully changed yet. So the moment we look for evidence in our life and we don't see it, sooner or later, most people accept that thought, which leads to the same choice, which creates the same behavior, which creates the same experience that produces the same feeling. Then they say, oh, this feels right to me. No, that feels familiar because you've just returned back to the known self. I think that when people truly want to make up their mind to change, and they become so conscious of those unconscious thoughts, they would never go unconscious to them again. Mm. That's the moment the body is being reconditioned to a new mind. If you inhibit that choice, that leads to that habit or that behavior. A habit is when you've done something so many times, the body knows how to do it better than the brain. Now you're stopping the body from being on its automation, on autopilot. And if the body's craving the feeling of unworthiness and you're stopping the body from feeling that way and you're aware in your life how you speak, you're aware in your life how you're feeling and you're checking in, you're saying, do I really want to feel this way? This is that river of change where you're going from the old self to the new self. So it makes sense then. If those principles in biology work in that way, they could actually work in our favor. So. If you said, okay, I'm going to sit down for a few minutes, I'm going to become so conscious of my unconscious self, my unconscious personality, that victory today would not be going unconscious to those thoughts, behaviors, Mm. and emotions. Okay, let me get so familiar with them that I don't go unconscious. Okay, I got that down. Now, what, what thoughts do I want to fire and wire in my brain? And if a belief is a thought that you keep thinking over and over again with intention... And with attention, you'll switch on that prefrontal cortex and assign meaning to the act and start installing new circuits in your brain. If you keep doing it over and over again, it becomes more hardwired, it becomes more automatic. And now you're installing a new belief that you are worthy of love, you are worthy of abundance, you are worthy to heal, whatever that is. That's the thought you do want to believe in. And when it matters the most is when it's the hardest. Because if you don't have the circuitry in place, you'll default back to the old programs, right? So then, if you said, how am I going to be in my Zoom calls today? How am I going to be in traffic today? How am I going to be with my ex, my coworkers? Uh, And you started thinking about and rehearsing how you were going to act in certain situations. The brain actually doesn't know the difference between the real-life experience and what you're imagining. The research on mental rehearsal shows that the brain will look like in time that it's already had the experience and it's vacant of the experience. Now, keep firing and wiring those circuits and you're going to begin to behave that way. Mm. So now you're installing circuitry now to use in your life to get your behaviors to match your intentions. If you said, how would it feel to feel worthy of love? How would it feel to be grateful for life? How would it feel to be worthy of abundance? And you said, I'm going to teach my body emotionally what this feels like before the manifestation of the event. You're not waiting for your life to change to feel worthy. You're actually changing your life by becoming worthy. You're generating abundance. You're generating love. You're creating an elevated emotion. Mm. Now, our data is so compelling because 
when you truly begin to elevate your emotional state and you could really lock in, you know, to those elevated emotions, <laughs> your body is so objective that it actually believes that it's living in a whole new environment before the environment changes. In other words, the body's believing it's in that new future. And if the environment signals the gene, and it does, and the end product of an experience in the environment is an emotion, you're actually signaling genes ahead of the environment and your body will begin to become conditioned to a new mind. Now think about this. If you did that every day, the word meditation literally means become familiar with. You become familiar with your old self, you become familiar with your new self, and you say, I'm not getting up until I feel this feeling. And then you'd say, I wanna be able to bring this feeling up whenever I want. I'm gonna keep remembering this feeling over and over again. It only takes a thought and a feeling, an image of the future and emotion, a stimulus and response, that you can condition your body to believe it's living in a whole new life. And when you feel the emotions of your future, something amazing happens. You're no longer in lack or separation, so you're no longer looking for the event to take away that feeling of lack or separation. Your body's actually believing it's in the event. Mm. And so then you're not looking for it, you feel like it's already happened, get ready, because that's when your life begins to change. And so we've discovered that if you're actually practicing this and you immersed yourself in that experience fully for seven days, the amount of metabolic and biological changes that will take place in your body will be so significant that your body will actually believe it's living in that future. And yet, most of the people that come to our workshops are literally in a ballroom. There's mm -hmm. nothing really exciting happening in the environment, but their body's believing they're living in a whole new life. And so one thought leads to a choice, which leads to a behavior, which creates an experience that produces an emotion. So then new information, new knowledge, begins to cause you to think differently. If you can remember that knowledge and begin to make a different choice because you want to experience the truth of that information, <laughs> you'll have to behave differently. And when the experience occurs and you feel the feeling of your abundance or wealth, I guarantee you, you're going to continue wanting to make the process of change something consistent in your life. This is why I love talking to you. I mean, that literally, you could just, what you just said there, I hope everyone listens to it again and again and again. And partly, I think, there's something to be said for that. The best things that have rewired my brain and my mind were things that I repeated daily. I took something that I loved listening to or loved learning or reading a paragraph of a book and I would literally just reprogram myself by giving that to my mind every single day. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you talk, I, I think there's a few really powerful things I wanted to pull out. Uh, when I lived as a monk and studied the Vedas, they would talk about thoughts in different modes. And there are three modes, the mode of ignorance, the mode of passion, and the mode of goodness. And there's a hierarchy to those thoughts. And so the mode of ignorance would be an unfulfilling thought or a completely fear or insecurity-based thought, which would be, I am not worthy, or I am unlucky and I can't do that. I can't be in love, no one can be in love with me. That's like a mode of ignorance thought. A mode of passion thought would be, I can be in love with anyone I want and I can find anything. And uh, it's, it's almost like you know you're lying to yourself and you haven't, really, you haven't really applied what you're saying and it's just this big, bold statement, but it, it doesn't quite sit and resonate. And the mode of goodness thought is, I can take steps daily to create love in my life right now. 
And, and you start to see how people would often look at what we're saying and they think, oh, it's just positive thinking. It isn't. It's not, it's not just a false statement. What you're saying is what you two words you used, intention and attention. You're actually being conscious about where that intention and the attention is being placed. You're intending that if I do something every day and I place my attention on X, Y, Z, then I can create this new reality for myself. Whenever I have a tough conversation coming up, a tough meeting, something difficult, I'll rehearse it in my head. And you're so right that you can prepare for the future. Even when I do skydiving or if I'm sitting in a cold plunge, I'm preparing my mind before I even do it. There's no point of just jumping in and diving in. I think what's really interesting is that partly a lot of the anxiety and stress we feel is because we kind of hope that we'll never feel anxiety and stress again. So there's a sense of like, okay, I can get to a place where I never experience anxiety. I, I almost think that that sets us up to be more hurt by the anxiety and inevitable uncertainty we'll feel. I would love to hear your thoughts. Gosh, on that. That, let me, I'd love to respond. I've got three thoughts going on at okay, the same time. Do it. <laughs> so, so to fulfill the first part of that question, it's an experiment, right? It's an experiment. Life is an experiment. So if your personality creates your personal reality and your personality is made up of how you think, how you act and how you feel, if you keep thinking the same way, you keep acting the same way, you keep feeling the same way, your life is gonna stay the same because you're the same. So the experiment is, okay, let me begin to think differently. So I gotta remind myself how I do wanna think and I have to remind myself of how I no longer wanna think so I don't default and go unconscious. Let me remind myself how I'm going to behave so that I could actually get my behaviors to match my intentions. And let me remind myself of how I'm going to feel. If I'm able to succeed in that day, then there should be some change in my life. It's the experiment. And, and, and if it doesn't change, that doesn't mean the law doesn't work for you. It's just you're not that good yet. It's just you just got to keep practicing, right? So the act of disconnecting from your life long enough to remind yourself of who you do want to be and who you no longer want to be, that experiment then is the experiment called life. Now, it's not that you react. The question is, how long are you going to react? Mm. That's the real question. Because, I mean, I react all the time. I mean, everybody does. But if you're going to stay there and you're going to live in that emotional state, you will see life through that lens of that emotion, right? So now... It gets complicated because the stronger the emotion you feel towards certain people or problems in your life, the more you pay attention to them. And where you place your attention is where you place your energy. So from a purely biological as well as quantum state, we could say then you're using that person or that circumstance to reaffirm your dependence mm. on feeling that emotion. So mm. you have to hate your enemy. And if your enemy dies, you'll find another person to hate because that is, that is the response, right? So the body is, is the animal. It's been conditioned a certain way. And, it's, and if it's been doing something and feeling something for an extended period of time, there's a modification of its receptor sites. It's, it's needing those emotional states. So in the process of change, just be ready because you're going to feel uncomfortable a lot of the time. Now, the question is, do you want to stay there? So then most people think they, they don't have any control over their emotional state. They think, I'm just this way and I feel this way. Well, we, we actually can show people that that's not the truth, that when it's the hardest, it matters the most. And if you're <laughs> able to really work and train your body like you're training an animal 
to stop feeling one way and start feeling another way. If you believe that you're an eternal being, let's just say that, I mean, just most religions talk about we're eternal, most sects of thought, only a few that don't, whether you're going to heaven or hell or nirvana or on the wheel, you're pretty much going to be around for a long time. That, that moment matters so much in the light of eternity because that's the moment you make up your mind to no longer be defined by your past. Why are you being defined by your past? Because emotions are a record of the past. Mm. And so then if you're feeling that emotion, your body is believing it's back in that same experience of the past. So the more knowledge that we have and understanding that justified, valid or not, those emotions are hurting no other person but you because the long-term effects of living by those emotional states, those survival states, are actually down-regulating genes and creating diseases. Sooner or later, you're going to have to ask yourself, is this loving to myself? And forgiveness is just when you overcome the emotion, you take your attention off that person or that problem, and you're, you're freeing yourself and you're freeing them. So people do the best with what they think is available. That's my belief. And if you're unaware that you can control your emotional states, you'll rely on something outside of you mm. to do that, whether it's a computer game, whether it's a Netflix show, whether it's a drug, whatever, whatever it is that you need to make that feeling go away, you're dependent on your outer world. And I think that's a hypnosis, that's a conditioning. You teach people that you can actually regulate and change your emotional states. You give them the tools to literally step into a new future. So that process, of course, is extremely uncomfortable. And it's, the question is, how long are you going to stay in that emotional state? And 50% of the story that most people tell about that past experience isn't even the truth because mm. they're, they're making things up and they're doing that so that they can justify why they haven't changed since some past event. Most people reach a point in their life where they reach crisis or disease or diagnosis or loss or betrayal where they finally go, gosh, I, it's time to change. Mm. I think change is an ongoing process and the more we change, the more we should see evidence in our life. That makes it exciting. This episode is brought to you by 8sleep. I have to admit, I used to have this old mattress that wasn't the best. It was low quality and so uncomfortable, and it made me really hot at night, which was not really helpful when trying to get good sleep. Did you know that temperature is one of the most important factors in improving your sleep quality? When you wake up in the middle of the night or feel extra groggy in the morning, temperature is almost always to blame. Why? While traditional mattresses trap heat throughout the night, science has shown that your body temperature actually needs to drop in the early and middle part of your sleep and rise in the morning so that you can fall asleep fast and get more deep sleep. The pod cover by 8sleep fits on any bed like a fitted sheet. The pod cover will improve your sleep by automatically adjusting the temperature on each side of the bed based on you and your partner's individual needs. It can cool down and warm up and adjust based on the phases of your sleep and the environment that you're in. My 8sleep mattress has been a total game changer for me. Not only is it super comfortable, but the temperature control technology has improved my quality of life in so many ways. I'm sleeping better, I feel more refreshed in the morning, and my mental health has even gotten a boost. They really go above and beyond to create innovative products that actually make a difference in people's lives. The temperature control system is just the tip of the iceberg. The mattress also tracks my sleep patterns, and I can even integrate it with my smart home system. 
I've never experienced sleep like this. Invest in the rest you deserve with the 8 Sleep Pod. Go to 8sleep.com forward slash purpose and save $150 on the pod cover by 8 Sleep. That's the best offer you'll find, but you must visit 8sleep.com forward slash purpose for $150 off. 8 Sleep currently ships within the USA, Canada, the UK, select countries in the EU and Australia. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Atna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Atna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Radhi and I love to take staycations in LA and for our last one, I booked an Airbnb in Malibu. Hidden away in the heart of paradise, our cozy Airbnb became the backdrop for unforgettable memories. Booking an Airbnb for our staycation was a decision we didn't regret. It not only offered us a comfortable and convenient accommodation option, but also facilitated a memorable and rewarding experience that brought us closer together and made us feel at home. And so while staying at our Airbnb, I realized that it's actually a good way to earn some extra money. I bet some of you might be thinking the same thing. Maybe you got some extra space in your home or even a whole house that could be hosting guests. Or perhaps you're about to head off on vacation, leaving your home vacant. Think about it. Your home could be doing so much more than just sitting there. It's a chance to turn that empty space into something valuable, both financially and experientially. It's a simple choice, really. Let it stay empty or start making some money off it. And trust me, your home might just be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com forward slash host. I've always been on this mission to find things that really line up with what I care about for a healthier lifestyle. And that's when I discovered Laird Superfood. It felt like discovering a perfect match, something that totally clicked with what I believe in and my goal for better health. One of their products that I absolutely love is their performance mushroom. They've collected some of the most powerful mushrooms in nature and brought them together in this amazing superfood blend. These different types of natural mushrooms, such as chaga, lion's mane, cordyceps, and maitake, are praised for their talent in fighting stress, supporting your immune system, and giving your brain a boost. Another one that I love is their daily prebiotic greens. Each serving is a complete mix of fruits and vegetables, fixing a common problem, which is that 90% of Americans don't get enough vegetables, and 80% don't get enough fruit in their diets. They taste like a light citrus burst from real food such as pineapple, lemon oil, and orange oil, fruit powders such as apple, no heavy sugars, syrups, or stevia. These greens are 40% more affordable than other big brands. You can get a month's supply in a bag for your daily routine at home or grab the single-serve sachets for when you're on the go. Check out LairdSuperfood.com and grab yours today. Use the code ONPURPOSE20 when you check out and score 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, and I, I think you're right that I've, I've thought about this for a while that I feel most people know that they want to change and most people know what they want to change, 
but they still struggle to make a change. And so I found that we don't often have a values crisis, we have a habits crisis, because people don't know how to reprogram their habits, and they've started to assume that the way they feel is who they are. And I wonder how you think about this, because I think we're living at a time where what you just said is like, you either kind of find a way to numb your feelings, so you're turning towards something external to numb how you feel, or today we're being told, well, feel every feeling and emotion completely. And then often we don't kind of get to the reprogramming phase. So I guess, how do you know how, how long to take a feeling seriously, effectively and assessing it before you kind of take action on it? Feelings and emotions are the end product of past experiences. And we can remember experiences better because we can remember how they feel. The stronger the emotion we have to some experience in our life, the more altered we are inside of us. The more the brain freezes a frame and takes a snapshot, and that's called a long-term memory. That, that image is being bossed neurologically in the brain. So then what most people don't know is that every time they remember that event, that trauma, that betrayal, that loss, whatever it is, they're producing the same chemistry in their brain and body mm. as if the event is occurring. So what happens over time is that conditioning process conditions the body to literally live in the past. So if a person is living by the same familiar feeling every single day, whether it's guilt or unworthiness or pain or suffering or victimization or depression or whatever it is, it's so important for them to come right up against that emotional state because they're coming up against the known. The question fundamentally becomes for that person, is it possible then to feel a different feeling? Now, if you cannot feel a different feeling other than the feeling that you're used to feeling, it should tell you volumes about that feeling because it's going to influence your very same thoughts. So the research that we've done over and over again is that the, the only way you're actually going to reprogram your brain to work in your favor is you got to learn how to regulate your brainwaves. And you know this, uh, of course. Uh, beta brainwave patterns are thinking brainwave patterns. It's the analytical mind. It's our critical facilities. The we're in beta right now, we're aware of our bodies, we're aware of the environment, we're aware of time. The neocortex is switched on, it's what plugs us into three-dimensional reality, it's the seat of the autobiographical self. There's a lot of circuits in there from things you've learned intellectually and things you've experienced in your life. So for the most part, it's a repository of the past, right? And so 90% of those thoughts that we think being the same thoughts as the day before tend to become like automatic programs and they become more subconscious and more unconscious. So in order for us to begin to change those programs, we gotta get into the operating system. And the only way we do that is we gotta slow our brain waves down in that thinking neocortex. The challenge for most people is they have so many demands in their life they have so many emotional responses to circumstances in their life that they're living in a state of stress and living in a state of survival. In a state of stress and survival, you don't close your eyes. You gotta keep your eye on the ball. You gotta keep your attention on the outer environment. So uh, their brains tend to work in a higher brainwave pattern, a mid-range or high-level beta brainwave pattern. And that's like driving your sports car in first gear. It's, it's a lot of energy for the brain. So. So learning how to regulate and slow your brain waves down is something that we've been very, very interested in. When you teach people how to do that, it could become a skill. Mm -hmm. And 
when the brain starts to relax and it moves into less of that chatter that takes place in your brain and more of kind of an imaginary state, the brain sees in pictures and images, it's more creative, we're moving into that alpha state. So now the door between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind opens up as we get beyond our analytical mind. Mm. And our analytical mind is actually what separates the conscious mind from the subconscious mind. So as you slow your brain waves down and you get into alpha, you're entering the operating system. And that's where you can rewrite a new program. That's where you can rehearse a new script. That's where you can begin to plan your behaviors in, a, in, a, in an intentional way. If you, if you can't change your brain waves, then it's like your computer running amok with all of those programs and you yelling at it, telling it to stop. You're not in the operating system. Some people can get to the point where they're so relaxed that the body's in a light sleep and yet they're conscious and awake and now they're in this theta brainwave pattern. And in theta, that's a hypnotic state, we're very suggestible to our thoughts. Mm. We're very suggestible to information in that state. And that state then is where we see the most change take place. And so the person can literally change from the inside out when they learn how to get into the operating system. You've just hit the nail on the head with the constant experience everyone has. I think, again, going back to what I was saying, that when we're trying to make a change, the thing that blocks us from making the change is usually stress. If I'm trying to be a kind, loving, compassionate person, but I'm stressed out, I'm likelier to be snappy and rude and condescending. If I'm trying to be healthier in my diet, but I'm stressed out or burnt out, I'm going to reach for the sugary food or the carbs and the fat. Like that doesn't come from anything else but stress. To take away the feeling. To take away the feeling. Take away the feeling, right? Yeah. So let's get real clear because I think it's important for people to understand when we're talking Please. about stress and we're talking about living in survival. It's so important to name those emotions because anger and frustration and control and hatred, and envy, and jealousy, and insecurity, and unworthiness, and guilt, and shame, and suffering, and depression, those are all derived. Those are emotions that are derived from the hormones of stress, and psychology calls those normal states of consciousness. Those are altered states of consciousness, because in stress, the physiology is that we're knocked out of homeostasis, we're knocked out of balance, because we're perceiving some threat, some danger, some emergency. And so the stronger the emotion you feel to whatever stressor there is in your life, the more you pay attention to it. And so in time then, you have to keep your attention on all the important elements in your life. So you sit down to do a meditation, and when you're living in stress and you're living in survival, there's only three things that are important in that moment. Your attention is on your body because you gotta preserve it. Your attention is on something in your environment, and what's in your environment? People, objects, things, places, and you're very preoccupied with time. And when you're in stress and you're in survival, the brain goes onto a default mode and it's naturally trying to predict the next moment based on what it's learned in the past. And so as you'd always try to forecast the future based on your memory of the past, you can't be in the present moment, right? Mm -hmm. So, and yet our, our model of change, what we discovered is that the only way a person can change is when they get beyond their body, they get beyond all the elements of their environment, and they get beyond that predictable fusion of familiar past, and they sink into the present moment, which is the unknown. So if you can't do that because of the hormones of stress, most people will sit down and they'll say, okay, I'm gonna close my eyes, I'm gonna start 
this process where I'm going to rehearse how I'm going to be today, and they start thinking about their cell phone. They start thinking about all their emails, and they start thinking, I can't meditate. There's something wrong with me. It's my mother's fault. You know? And they actually believe that thought to be the truth, and then they get up and they, they actually reaffirm it, and they say, I can't meditate. Mm. Now, <laughs> I can tell you that if you are willing to see that thought as just a thought in your brain, and you're curious what's on the other side of that thought, yeah, you're going to feel uncomfortable. But if you had some tools and skills to apply and you were able to take your attention off your cell phone and settle your body back down into the present moment, that would be a victory. And then your body would say, come on, you got to feel a little frustration now. You got to be impatient. You got to be judgmental. Come on. That's how what you always <laughs> think. That's how you always feel. And you like an animal, you settle the body back down into the present moment and you tell it it's no longer the mind that you're the mind that's a victory then the body says uh, hey dude you're super busy you got a lot of things to do you got a lot of people to see you got a lot of places to go you got a lot of things to do and you've been doing the same thing every day your body's going to want to get up and do something you're going to want to quit because your brain's telling you that you can't do this if you had the awareness to settle the body back down into the present moment, you would be executing a will that's greater than the program because most people lose their free will mm. to those programs. And it's that tedium in the beginning that is an uncompromising will where you keep training the animal to stay, to take all of its attention off the environment, to get beyond all the cravings, the feelings, the habits of the body, the drives of the body, and catch yourself defaulting to that predictable future, bringing your body back into the present moment, siphoning energy back your attention into the past based on those familiar emotions of the past. We've discovered that if you're willing to do that for just a few days, you could actually liberate an enormous amount of energy from your body. You go from particle to wave, from matter to energy, and you're literally transmuting those limited emotions into elevated emotions and something really beautiful happens if you're willing to fire the crucible and sit through that long enough all of these emotions move that energy moves right up into the heart and the person starts falling in love with life they start feeling this state of gratitude this gratefulness to be alive this ineffable word of relaxed and awake Mm. And something really magical happens when we've discovered uh, this little simple thing. When that energy makes it to the heart, there's only one place it wants to go, and it goes straight to the brain. So the person starts relaxing into their heart when they feel this feeling, and the more they relax into the heart, the more their brain all of a sudden starts becoming aroused. And they start going into these elevated gamma brainwave patterns. Now, gamma is not unconscious. Gamma is actually super conscious. It's actually super aware. You're outside the program now. So when that occurs and the brain goes into gamma brainwave patterns, what we discovered is not it's not a little gamma. It's not a lot of gamma. It's not a whole lot of gamma. It's a supernatural amount of gamma. And we start seeing these brainwaves where we see theta, start carrying alpha 
and alpha starts resonating with beta and beta starts creating high beta and high beta starts creating gamma and you see these standing waves of brain coherence happening and the person feels so amazing that they don't want the moment to end and so we see when they put their attention on their heart like like filling a gas tank we see on the gauge of the on the scan this very low frequency start rising in the heart the the energy that's the heart uses to to function actually goes up because they're placing their attention there and where they place their attention is where they place their energy and then you see the parasympathetic nervous system come up with it that's the nervous system of relaxation and then we see it kind of drop mm. and we see the sympathetic nervous system starting to go up and now sympathetic regulation is an arousal right but the arousal isn't fear the arousal isn't hatred or aggression the arousal isn't pain that's the arousal created from survival there's only one other arousal and that's ecstasy that's mm. bliss and the person all of a sudden feels connected to something greater now here's the beauty we we, we could see people do this in 15 minutes the most important takeaway around all of this is that feeling that they're feeling is not coming from anywhere outside of them no person's doing that no wardrobe change is doing that no sports car don't football game nothing is doing it to them it's actually coming from within that is the moment they stop looking for it outside of them and the love affair begins and so when we start feeling these elevated emotions these more selfless emotions it's not like you have to try to forgive it actually is the side effect of you changing your emotional state you no longer want uh because you feel so whole how could you want anything so we 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 started interviewing people when they had these moments and and they had such an incredible amount of love that they felt there we measured their oxytocin levels their love chemicals were very elevated uh, uh their the amount of gamma in terms of coherence was 200 300 400 standard deviations outside of normal in coherent gamma now three standard deviations outside of normal in gamma is about 2% of the population 200 300 400 a lot of energy in the brain so the brain all of a sudden is receiving an enormous amount of energy so we've discovered relaxed in the heart and awaken the brain and that process of transformation is your willingness to sit past that thought past that emotion and keep training the animal and sooner or later you can re- recondition it to a new mind and the system for this new mind and this journey that you're talking about is meditation like this is coming through a meditative practice is that similar to the breathwork meditation practice that you just did research on or is that totally separate these wow okay two, yeah yes yeah, so um our week long events are uh, a full immersion experience we've done the largest studies on meditation that have ever been done just because we have a community of 1800 people that come to an event that are going to be getting up at the same time doing the same thing uh, pretty much eating making the same food choices uh, in pretty much a big laboratory right and so our discoveries in working with 1800 people in in measuring brain waves uh, bef- uh, their brain function bef- before and after the event um measuring their gene expression before and after the event we're measuring 
2,882 metabolites in their blood. We're measuring DNA expression. We're measuring urine. We're measuring saliva. We're measuring uh, the energy of the room. We're measuring everything. And meditation, in a sense that it's not in the traditional way, um, what we do is we look at what really works. <laughs> you know, we're actually looking to say, well, that's something that we can actually see a change in. So we teach meditation three ways, to become familiar with your old self and to become familiar with your new self. That's what the word meditation means, familiarization, to become familiar with. So we use that model for change. To slow your brain waves down and get beyond your analytical mind is meditation. And you teach your body how to do that. And we've discovered a formula that, that simply makes it very easy for people to do it. You practice it, you'll get good at it just like anything else you practice. So, so to get beyond the analytical mind is another way to reprogram ourselves. And then meditation is really about getting beyond your body or disconnecting from your body, disconnecting from your environment and forgetting about time. And that is that eye of the needle where we begin to make the most significant changes. So we're data-driven, you know, we're, we're really looking to see what it is. And, and when we see uh, brains respond in the same way, it helps me enormously to teach the material better. And so the more people understand what they're doing, and the more they understand why they're doing it, the more naturally the how becomes easier. And mm -hmm. nothing is left to conjecture. If nothing is left to superstition or dogma or even in spiritual, mm -hmm. you know, traditional words. You use science as the contemporary language to demystify that process. You need to give new people numerous times to overcome themselves and numerous times to connect sooner or later you'll start watching transformation right before your eyes. And so one of the cool things that we've discovered is that we have so much compelling data to suggest that you're greater than you think, mm -hmm. more powerful than you know, more unlimited than you could ever dream. We have compelling data to suggest that your nervous system is the greatest pharmacist in the world, that it makes drugs that work better than any drug in a drugstore. A drug study is about 18 to 25% cause and effect causality. Our data is between 75 and 85% cause and effect. This is a person creating their own pharmacy of anti-inflammatories, their own pharmacy of anti-carcinogenic chemicals, their own pharmacy of uh, pain relievers. We're seeing this over and over again. So we have this incredible data that says that this is no longer pseudoscience. <laughs> this, is the real, this is really science. The side effect of a person's transformation is it has changed my belief in what's possible. I have seen people stand on the stage with stage four cancers that were in every single organ in their body that metastasized, and, and they have no sign of cancer in their body. And we have data that suggests that you put the blood of an advanced meditator in a uterine cancer cell, a pancreatic cancer cell, 70% of the mitochondrial function in the cancer cell is diminished. The mitochondria is the energy packets of the cell. It's taking energy out of the cancer cell. It works perfect with what we're seeing with uh, uh, the testimonials uh, that, that uh, people are telling around the world. We've seen blind people see. We've seen deaf people hear. We've seen uh, people with spinal cord injuries walk again. We've seen uh, ALS change. We've seen all kinds of unbelievable health conditions changed by a person simply changing the way they think, the way they act, and the way they feel. How long have you seen certain things last? Like, how much does the practice have to continue daily to sustain impact? Because I feel that 
you know, this isn't, as you know, isn't a one-off thing and that isn't what you're encouraging. Like this is the experience of when someone's coming to a retreat or an event, they're having this incredible experience, but then do you measure how people continue to practice? Yeah, it's important. Take, yeah. yeah, it's super important for us. Um, uh, and of course we have mounds of data, but let's see if I can say this uh, as, as clear as I possibly can. When a person has that arousal, where they're feeling that elevated emotion and their their eyes are closed they're in a room with 1800 people there's music playing in the background they're not eating they're not smelling they're not tasting they're not moving about and feeling on some level they're having an inner experience right and the body is so objective that it's literally believing it's living in a new environment and so that elevated emotion somehow tends to drag the body right out of the past into the present moment. So many people with uh, everything from eczema to uh, muscular dystrophy, when they have those events, there's a biological change that takes place in their body where they feel completely differently. Now, some people heal all the way. Some people are out of their wheelchair and they're walking again, but they're limping. And that doesn't mean it's over. It just means they made contact or they, they hit gold. And so there's varying degrees that we see. We've seen people for seven years work on a terminal health condition. It took them seven years to heal that health condition. Some people, it takes two years, three years. Some people, they do it in three months. We, there's no mm -hmm. uh, predictable menu that we can say it's this way. Now, when people have those more profoundly aroused states, it seems like uh, their changes much more immediate and much more permanent. Uh, but for the most part, we see people's response pretty dramatic. Now, it's also important to say that we have seen people heal from, from terminal cancers, stop feeling those elevated emotions and return to responding to the circumstances and conditions in their life and return back to the same personality. <laughs> the same personality is the same personal reality and their body's believing it's living in that same environment and they're feeling the same way and they're in the habit of uh, acting the same way and thinking the same way. And lo and behold, uh, the condition returns. Uh, we've seen people heal themselves of Parkinson's disease more than once, have one response to some very serious event in their life that produced a very strong emotion. And in one hour, their condition returned. Mm because they literally went back to their old self. And we've seen that person turn around and reverse the condition again. Again, people do the best with what they think is available. The person standing on the stage, who's, we've had numerous physicians and researchers stand on the stage, they're the four minute mile. <laughs> they're telling the community, I'm the example of truth. Uh, this is no longer philosophy, this is no longer theory. Here's my scans, I, we had someone with bilateral breast cancer just recently. Uh, no evidence of cancer in her breasts or any lymph nodes no longer in her liver. I'm looking out at the audience and everybody's leaning in. <laughs> There's the four minute mile and that person's telling the truth and they're, they're telling a story and it's not pretty, it's not always uh, rosy. They, they went through a lot of dark nights, they went through a lot of their condition getting worse, but every day they had to show up for themselves. If they stopped showing up and doing the work, they would really not believe it was possible. 
But if they showed up and did the work, it means that they believe it's possible. Mm-hmm. And I think when you believe in possibility, you got to believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. When you believe in yourself, you got to believe in possibility. So it used to be a few examples of, of that. Now we have so many great testimonials, so many great stories that now people, it's becoming infectious, just like a virus or any bacteria becomes infectious. Now health and wellness becomes as infectious as disease. And you get a community of people uh, starting to break through and you start seeing these changes where people stand on the stage invariably you're going to see a very strong shift in consciousness and consciousness is awareness. And if you're unaware that you could actually heal yourself, you'll make the same choice. Once you see it, uh, I think it starts creating a brush fire and, and, and that's really the exciting part. So we've seen so many great testimonials that are undeniably uh, great stories of transformation. And many, many of those people still no longer have their eczema, still no longer have their Parkinson's, still no longer have their cancer. Yeah, since since the last time we spoke, I know your team of researchers went and did some work. I wanted to ask you some questions about this. You did some research on the impact of one-minute breath work. How does this impact our heart rate variability, and how does HRV impact our anxiety? Let's talk about uh, heart rate variability because it's an important thing. So, mm-hmm. so your brain is trying to control and predict everything that's taking place in your life because stress is actually created when you can't predict something, you can't control something, or you have the perception that something's going to get worse, okay? So you switch on that primitive nervous system, the fight or flight nervous system, and as you shift your attention from one person to another person to another thing to another place to another problem, every one of those different elements has a neurological network in your brain. So the arousal of the hormones to say, pay attention, there's danger, as you start shifting your attention to each one of these elements that have neurological networks in your brain, your brain starts firing very incoherently. And in fact, you could actually, by thinking about your problems, turn on the stress response just by thought alone, and that's what most people do. Mm. So now, there you are, you're sitting in traffic, the heart is pumping because it's trying to get blood to the extremities because a primitive system is switching on, saying that there's, there's a predator, there's danger. And the heart is beating against closed arteries. And the heart starts beating out of rhythm. It starts beating out of order, and it starts beating very incoherently. So when you have incoherence in the brain, and you have incoherence in the heart, when waves are incoherent, when they intersect with each other, they cancel each other out. Mm. And when they cancel each other out, that's less energy in the brain. Mm. If there's less energy in the brain, you're going to default to some of those reflexive systems. If energy is diminished in the heart, you're not going to trust. <laughs> you're not going to be vulnerable. You're not going to want to commune. You're not, not going to want to connect. You're not going to want to feel grateful. It's not a time to feel any of those things. It's time to run, fight, and hide. Okay, so most people say, okay, well, it took, I had a stressful day. I was stressed out the entire day. And at the end of the day, they turn on the TV and they, and they relax. The important thing to re- realize is that if you're relying on something outside of you to change that emotional state, you'll become dependent on it. So mm. is it possible then to begin to create more coherence in the brain? And the answer is yes, because when you're under the gun of those chemicals of survival, you're narrowing your focus on the cause. You hear something moving in the bushes, you freeze, and you narrow your focus. And it's that narrowing of focus that tends to be obsessive. When we're mm. in stress, we overthink things, we overanalyze. That actually, we've discovered, makes the brain worse. Mm. And it actually makes the heart regulate more out of order. So then we said, okay, if the brain is narrowing its focus and it's becoming overattentive, 
what if we teach it how to do something else? What if we teach it how to broaden its mm. focus? And instead of focusing on something material or something known, just open up and focus on nothing. And the act of broadening focus actually causes a person to stop thinking and doing and start sensing and feeling is actually what starts to slow their brain waves down. The redundancy of shifting your attention from one person to another person to another problem to another thing causes the brain to fire like a lightning storm in the clouds very incoherently. So as you start to open your awareness and sense nothing, we've, we've seen this thousands of times, those different networks that are firing out of order start to synchronize. And what sinks in the brain links in the brain, and the brain be becomes more orderly. It starts to become more coherent. If you could learn how to rest your attention in your heart, and where you place your attention is where you place your energy, regulate your breath, start slowing your breathing down, even if you did it for one minute, mm -hmm. you could actually begin to change your brain waves, mm -hmm. and you could actually cause your heart to start functioning more regulation and more or order. If you said, okay, I'm gonna work with my body and I'm gonna start breathing and I'm gonna start feeling emotions that I do wanna feel. Yes, it may take you a few minutes to get there, but if you keep practicing it over and over again, the heart starts producing a very profound signal. It starts to produce an external magnetic field. It's, it's, it's measurable. So now you have a coherent brain, which means you can get very intentional, and you have a coherent heart, which means you can feel the emotions of your future before it happens. Somehow you have this broadcasting of this Wi-Fi signal, uh, and the brain tends to be electrical in nature, so it sends out an electrical charge into the field. The heart is the magnetic charge. It's what draws things to us. It's the, it's the magnetic field, and now you actually, by changing the way you think and the way you feel, you're changing the signal in the field. And if you're able to maintain that state for an extended period of time, I say something magical is going to happen in your life. Something unusual, some unknown experience is going to occur. If you keep thinking the same way and feeling the same way, your life should stay the same. So we do one-minute practices. We do five-minute practices. We do 30-minute practices. We want to get so good at doing it with our eyes closed that we can do it with our eyes open. Shopify has already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Turn your retail store into a powerhouse with Shopify POS leading the way. This comprehensive platform takes care of everything, from handling payments to managing your inventory, giving you all the tools you need for smooth in-person sales. Shopify makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. Shopify has everything you need to sell in person, backed by everything you need to sell online. With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com forward slash J or lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash J to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com forward slash J.
Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Atna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Atna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Yeah, no, I, when I hear that, like I've had personal genuine experience of that where I've done that when I've had, when I'm having a moment where I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling stressed or, you know, something unpredictable has happened and I feel that change in my heart rate and I notice my breathing change. I notice it become more shallow. I notice it become more random. I know that when I'm practicing breath work, I'm able to come back to stillness. I'm able to come back to that sense of balance. And then I'm able to actually approach the issue at hand with more clarity, with more connectedness and a feeling of confidence. But when someone else who may not have had that experience yet or may not be trained in that, they're just thinking, well, how do I solve the problem, right? Like they're, they're, they're listening to me and you're going, well, but I can't because I just, I need to solve this problem. Like you're saying like, oh, I'm going to be 30 minutes late for a job interview or I just had an argument with my partner this morning and I've got a big presentation this morning as well at work. Now I'm stressed about it because I'm thinking about that. Or my kid just had got, yeah, I had to rush him to hospital and now I'm late. Like, I guess when you're looking at it from a very human point of view, it's really hard to understand the value in this. What do you say to anyone who's thinking and feeling that way? Uh, no, I think it's, I think it's a reasonable conversation. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, sometimes we have to be super aroused. Uh, and sometimes we really have to pay attention. And sometimes there are threats and dangers where that primitive nervous system actually works in our favor. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the emergency system. But you got to also realize that you only have a certain amount of energy. Mm -hmm. And if you're living in emergency mode for an extended period of time, there's no energy for growth and Excellent. repair. There's no energy for long-term building projects. And so when it's needed uh, and you have to outrun the predator, you go. Yeah. You don't sit and try to make friends with the predator. <laughs> We're not that good. Yeah. <laughs> you, you run, right? Yeah. The problem is if you keep that alarm system switched on all the time, it gets very addictive. It's a great answer. Yeah. It's, it's very addictive, right? And so I've looked at people's brain scans uh, and watched their brain get worse in the early days and tapped them on the head and say, what were you doing yeah. in there? 100% of the time, they were analyzing the problems in their life within that disturbing emotion. And if an emotion is a record of the past and they can't think greater than how they feel, they're thinking in the past, there's no solution there. Mm. Cross the river, get beyond the emotion, and you'll see possibility because you're no longer in the box of that emotional state. Now, that's so much easier said than done because yeah. you're going against thousands of years of programming of living in survival. I mean. 200 years ago, it wasn't easy being human. I mean, we're in survival all the time and famine, you know, every disease. I mean, it was, it was hard to be human. And so we have to lay down the very thing we used our whole life to get what we want for something greater to occur. And it goes against thousands of years of programming. It's not something 
that you get good at doing once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to keep practicing. So, so, so you really have two ways to look at it. If you're, if you're living in stress and you're living in survival and that system is switched on, then everything will be a threat. Mm-hmm. Everything will be a danger. Mm-hmm. Everything will be a reason to rush, to be impatient, to be frustrated, to be judgmental. Because that's, that's the consciousness, that's the emotion we're living by. So now you, you have a, a problem with a coworker, you have a problem with your partner, whatever it is that you use as an example, and you have to give a presentation. Now, now you really have one of two choices. Either be victimized by those conditions in your life and you stay in that emotional state. And I'll say to you, Jay, why are you that way? Well, I'm this way because of this person, this circumstance, the person or circumstance is controlling the way I feel and the way I think. Anything that controls the way I feel and the way I think, I'm victim to, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Or I actually can be a creator now. Okay. So when it's the hardest, it matters the most. Okay. So there's going to be a story, a valid story that's going to go along with those emotions mm-hmm. that you're going to have to give up that you can address at another time from a different state. If you're altered in that state and you say something, you do something, you write the email, you send the text, you'll always regret it. You'll always say, I should have never said that. I should have never done that. We gotta learn that we're in an altered state at that time. So there's only one of two choices. You either stay there the whole day and tell everybody that story, or you say, okay, let me take a moment. Remember that this is the experiment called life. Okay, let me practice getting relaxed in my heart. Let me slow the animal down. Let me practice that. Let me take a few minutes. Now, let me breathe. Let me get my state back. Let me change everything. Okay, let me remember who I am, who I want to be when I open my eyes, and let me practice that again. Now, even if you had to do that 10 times in one day, I would say it was a day worth living. Mm. I would say it was a day worth living. And when we do walking meditations... Uh, in our, our retreats, we're doing walking meditations so you can practice doing it with your eyes open. Yes. Like if you're going to be relaxed in your heart and awake in your brain and you can do it with your eyes closed, okay, let's take it out for a test drive. Yeah. Let me open my eyes. Let me pay a little bit more attention to my inner world. Let me practice feeling this feeling. Let me practice feeling this way and let my brain do what it does. Let me get define, let me change my physiology. Let me change my state. Let me walk as the healed person. Let me walk as the abundant person. Let me walk as if my prayers are answered. Let me walk in this state. If I keep practicing that over and over, it's going to become a habit, right? Yeah. So, so we hit it as many ways as we can. We have at least seven or eight different breaths that we do because we see how they all work in the brain. We have all kinds of meditations. We have sitting meditations. We have standing and walking meditations. We have laying down meditations because we want you to be able to do it with your eyes open, with your eyes closed, standing, walking any way you can so that you don't default and return back to that person. Now, if you do default, you didn't fail. Mm. That's a program. You just went unconscious. And how many times do we have to forget until we stop forgetting and start remembering? That's mm. the moment of change. Mm. No, one, no one cares how many times you fell off the bicycle. If you ride the bicycle now, you ride the bike. So it's, it's the constant process uh, every single day. And I think that Sometimes we look for evidence in our life and it hasn't happened. And I think it's so important that we still show up. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's where you're changing the most. And when you get to that point where you could care less if it happens or not, because you feel so happy, so grateful for who you are, get ready because your life is going to begin to change in magical ways. I'm so proud of our community, not because they do the work every day, not because they're trying to be good or please anybody. 
they do it because they don't want the magic yeah. to really end. And the experiment is too good. Is they don't, they're going to continue to be a creator in their life. So then when they change the way they feel and the way they think and they start seeing evidence in their life, they're going to remember what they did inside of them to produce that outcome. And they're going to believe they're creator of their life and less of the victim of their life. And that's empowerment. Yeah. And you can't take that away from anybody. You can't tell me now you're too sick to do that. You can't tell me you're too old to do that. You can't tell me you had a horrible past, you're too out of shape. You can't even tell me that you never meditated before because we have people that come, they know nothing, they get dragged by somebody and they have the most profound experience because they're not expecting anything. And we have data that suggests that when you don't expect anything, you're going to have a profound moment. So everybody can do it. There's nobody that's so special to be excluded from this process. And we have had people that have had brutal pasts with abuse, with trauma. We, we've we seen Navy SEALs and prisoners with horrible, horrible memories uh, literally transform, literally transform uh, in seven days. And I could say right now that you make the time every single day to decide who you're going to present to the world and you get up as that person. You're going to fall a lot of times, but sooner or later, once you start to change, it's pretty hard to go back. Yeah, I think we so easily forget that Anything that we've achieved today, any place we've got to was a commitment to refining the process. It was a disciplined effort to make a tiny improvement on something else. When you give the cycle example, the bike example, the idea that you got back up and you maybe changed one thing. You knew to shift your balance differently. You knew to pedal at a different pace. Like you tried these different things. And it's what you're saying, that it's an experiment. If we keep trying the same thing, we get the same result. But the point that I love that you brought up to that answer was the idea that sometimes you do need to be an emergency, but don't make emergency a habit. Exactly. And I think that's where most of us veer off on the wrong path. I was asked recently, anyone who knows me today knows that I'm a hardworking, productive, high-performance type of individual. I live a very scheduled life and a and a disciplined life. And the biggest question I get around the holidays is, Jay, are you able to switch off? And I always go back and give the credit to my, to my monk training and say, I switch off immediately. <laughs> uh, as soon as I'm on the flight home, I, was, I, I remember before Christmas, I was, I was getting on a flight home back to London and I was off the moment I stepped onto the flight. And it was because I was, it's not because I'm special or because I'm unique or I have superpowers. It's because I've simply done what you said, where it's I've trained myself to always be present. And so if I'm really present in my work, like I am with you now, then when I'm on the plane, I'm just present. And I know that it's time to switch off. And so I, I think the idea that our presence bleeds and our lack of presence bleeds, and it's not that you can selectively be in emergency here and not in emergency here, the state you're feeling is going to spread across your whole life. Like I know a lot of people who are high performance and, and I've had to be mindful of this as well. It's like they're high performance at work, but then they take that high performance and they give it to their family. And now their family is getting a high performance dad and they don't want that. They just want their dad or they want their mom. And so how do we develop that? I guess that's a highly trained ability is, is what you're saying is we get the ability then to say, okay, I know when to use this and when not to. That's that's a more heightened state. Yeah, I mean, look, there's not there's there's nothing wrong with with the uh, hormones of stress. I mean, that's the only way we could actually survive. We're we're part human, part animal, mm -hmm. part divine. I mean, we have two things at work here. I, th I think the biggest challenge for a lot of people, and seventy percent of the time, 
uh, people are living in that state of survival, living in that state of stress. The more you understand what that actually does to you, the more you can make better choices on how long you actually do want to stay there. Here's an example. Many people who are uh, changing a health condition in our work, they start to do the work, they start noticing, I'm sleeping better, uh, I have less pain, uh, I got my appetite back, I feel like I have more energy. They start noticing these subtle subjective changes that go to their doctor uh, and their, their scans still show that they have their health condition. So they're noticing a change, but they're not healed all the way. Now, they don't say it didn't work. They say, what is it about me that I still have to change in order to heal? What thought, what behavior, what emotion? So they're a work in progress, right? Many of those people discover that they have one really good hour of meditation where they feel connected, they feel like their heart is opening up, they feel like their brain is coherent, they feel really great, they don't want the moment to end, and then they spend 15 or 16 hours of their day back in a program, mm. rushing around, back in their emotional states, responding and reacting, and they realize that how could one hour of an elevated state weigh against 15 or 16 hours of my response to everyone and everything in my life yeah. emotionally is derived from those familiar emotions of fear or anger or hatred or, or pain or suffering, whatever. Okay, so now this is where the practicum actually goes to the next level mm. because they're no longer just sitting down and rehearsing who they wanna be. They're actually rehearsing for their life. Mm. They're saying, okay, when I see that person, when I'm in that circumstance, I can't go unconscious and feel this emotion and I can't go unconscious and say these things or act this way. How am I going to act? What would love do? What would greatness look like? They don't know, they read about it. Mm. They get more information and they're building this model and now all of a sudden their response to people, to circumstances, to problems in their life are changing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's because they're changing. Then they notice that their health condition starts to improve a little bit more. Now, now they don't say, how come my Alzheimer's or my Parkinson's or my ALS hasn't healed? They're saying, how much more can I open my heart mm. in my day and feel this with my eyes open all day long if I understand that if I live by these emotions, I'm signaling genes ahead of the environment, oh, I'm gonna stay in this state because it's this emotional state that is actually gonna heal me. So I gotta remember this feeling, I gotta remember this feeling, I gotta remember this feeling. And now they're no longer trying to remember the feeling just for any other reason, but because they wanna remember the feeling when they're with their eyes open, now it's their understanding that the more that they change, the more that their health changes. And, and, and you can have the best diet, and you could do the best exercise, and you could be really rigid in the food choices and vitamins and minerals, uh, and keep your body chemically balanced and physically balanced, but if you're not emotionally balanced, and you're constantly in that fight or flight system. Stress is when your body's knocked out of homeostasis. The stress is when your brain and body are knocked out of balance. So, so you, you could have all those things working for you, but if you are living in fear or you're controlling and you're rigid and you're perfectionist and you're hard on yourself, it's going to make sense that that is going to have to change mm. in order for you to change, right? And so yeah. people start getting, they start getting it. I, that's the only way I'm gonna change. If I don't change, it's not going to change. Yeah, one of my favorite things as a practical exercise I ever did was I literally had scripts, and I mean handwritten, like I wrote scripts for how I wanted to feel when I experienced ego or envy. And so for, for every emotional 
challenge I had, something that I thought was an unhealthy thought. I literally had like pages and pages and pages of scripts that were built up from research, that were built up from spiritual literature, that were built up from science, whatever it may be of what did I want to be able to say to myself when this thought or that thought came up? And it sounds so basic, but it really does rewire your thoughts when now all I can think of is that script. Sure. And I need to update that script regularly. Sure. But sure. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm constantly. Yeah, it's constantly. Yeah, it's not once. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm constantly. I mean, I mean, 95% of who we are by the time middle age is a set of unconscious thoughts, behaviors, and emotions. I mean, yeah. those are beliefs and perceptions that we have about ourselves and our lives. So, I mean, this is a never-ending process of self-discovery. I mean, there's always challenges that you'll have in your life that are going to initiate you into becoming conscious of what you're unconscious to. Yeah. And you got to meet those challenges from a greater level of consciousness than the consciousness that's created. And you can't, if you don't, your response and the way you feel and the way you think being the same, and if you believe that how you think and how you feel creates your life, if you don't change the way you think and the way you feel, your life's going to stay the same because you're the same. I mean, yeah. that's the way it works. So fundamentally, it's so important for people to understand that it is actually possible to change. Mm -hmm. It really is possible. It is, yeah. It, it, I, I love that you keep repeating that because it's, I think that's the hardest part where you've just, again, the, the broken record is I can't change, nothing will change. And not realizing that it's just a set of habits, it's just a set of routines that you've adopted as your reality. And you're going to be uncomfortable, so and get used yeah, to it. Yeah. And so you could either stay uncomfortable or you could actually say, how do I want to feel? Let me, instead of memorizing this emotion, let me memorize this emotion. Yeah. Let me open my heart when it goes against everything that <laughs> I've been taught and programmed to do. I mean, and, and that's really when it really begins to matter the most. So it's it's really an exciting time. That, and, and I'm so happy to see that people are wrapping their minds around all of this and doing it, you know, doing it for themselves. Absolutely, absolutely. Have, have you found a difference, and I want to get a bit more technical here, have you found a difference between meditation with breath work and without breath work because i know you do both and and what do you find is the usefulness and benefits of either so we do so many different types of breath mm. breath for so many different types of reasons the breath that we were talking about with inspire pulling the mind out of the body we do that breath to take that creative life force that sits at the base of the spine that that energy that can create another another life form the energy we use to digest a meal, the energy that we use to run from a predator. We're taking all that energy that's stored in the body emotionally, and we're pulling that energy back up into the brain. If you practice this breath repeatedly, <laughs> there will be a release of energy into the brain. We have the data to show that you're going to have a lot more energy in your brain. You're going to be way more coherent in your brain, and you're going to be more conscious, right? And so why is that important? Why? Because... When you regulate your brain waves, we don't want you to fall asleep. <laughs> we want you to actually be really relaxed and awake at the same time. So we do this one breath called pulling the mind out of the body. That's the Inspire series where we're taking all that creative energy and we're, we're with the breath, pulling that energy right up to a specific area of the brain. When you do that properly, your brain will go into an altered state. That's the reason why we do it. Then we do all kinds of other breathing, like breathing to change the heart uh, rhythm. Uh, sometimes when we're doing a laying down breath, uh, when we're practicing getting into that mystical state, uh, just when the audience is just starting to move into a slower brainwave state, we'll do a very forced uh, inhalation, exhalation, inhalation, ex over and over again, like a hiker's breath, only so that the person feels euphoric 
and so euphoric that they don't want to fall asleep. And they'll move into a slower brainwave pattern, and the door between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind opens, and many times there's a mystical experience waiting for that person uh, that's transcendental. So, so we do all kinds of different breathing uh, techniques because we have different intentions behind each one of them. If people want to dive into those, where, where should they go if they want to kind of grab some of those techniques or get access? Are they only at the events? Uh, there's an online course that we offer called the Progressive Workshop. Great. Um, in the Progressive Workshop, we teach a few of those breaths. And if you come to a week-long event, you'll have an opportunity to do all of them. And we start at 6 in the morning, we finish it. I don't know, Cancun, the last one we did, I think we finished at 8 or 8.30 every night. It was just a great group of people. And, and uh, we go seven days, and, and some mornings are a little earlier, but uh, you got a lot of practice. you got a lot of tools. Uh, so by the time you leave, you can, you can use them in your life. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, for anyone who can't obviously get to the live events, then the online course will be helpful. But yeah. if you can, go along yeah. to one of them. And I think, I think there's some good descriptions also in, in Becoming Supernatural, uh, mm-hmm. my last book, where we break it all down. Uh, yeah. And then there's some tutorials that we have on our website to help you with some of the breathing here. I love that. Joe, is there anything I haven't asked you about today or anything <laughs> that's on your mind and heart that you really want to share with everyone or something you've been working on or, or anything you feel compelled to share? Gosh, we, uh, we covered a lot. We, we've covered a lot. I, we're doing this, some really cool research with random event generators. And random event generators are sophisticated uh, coin tosses. You know, if you, the more you toss a coin, the more you're going to get 50-50 heads, heads or tails, right? So this machine generates, program machine generates um, about 1,000 tosses in a second. So you're looking at a very, very sophisticated machine. And if you run it for 30 minutes, you're going to see in time an equal number of ones or zeros or heads or tails, and you're going to see the straight line. When you get a group of people together with brain coherence and heart coherence, Mm. uh, they're emitting a field. And when we do healings in our events, (laughs) 100% of the time when we do those healings, those random event generators have dramatic skews to show that random events become less random and more intentional. And it's collective networks of observers that determine reality. And it's not the number of people, it's not the amount of energy, because it could be entropic. It's the most coherent energy. And we're causing a machine that's programmed to behave in a very, very different way. And I think that idea of community, Mm. of people coming together when everybody else is in fear uh, to show courage when everybody else is in pain, uh, to show compassion when everybody else is in anger or hatred that to show love. I mean, I think by nature as human beings, I think we are wired to give, to connect, to commune, to take care of one another, to heal one another, to shine for one another. And, and our data is so exciting to, to actually uh, support that theorem. Yeah. I love that you brought that up and I'm, that's, you know, that's very macro and big as well, but also micro in that you're you're measuring people's daily experience. I think, you know, when I think about families who live together or couples or partners or, or whoever you may be, you know, when you're sleeping together, when you're waking up together at the same time, when you're sitting for meals together, when, you know, we've realized and we know that the science shows that your heart rates sync up, like your heartbeats sync up when you're with someone. And I think it's really interesting because I think today in our individualistic world, there's a big desire to do things at our own time, when we want, how we want. But if you're truly trying to build a relationship with someone else or build community, there's so much to be said for 
doing these basic practices at the same time together, yeah. right? It's really hard to be in community when you're in survival uh, because survival makes us put our attention on ourselves, right? Uh, and I, I think that when people are not living in survival, when they're out of survival, our nature really is community, is, is culture, is connection. And it starts with the self, then it starts with our closest relationships and builds out from there. And I, I think that's a, a, a healthy model, you know, for, for the world. I mean, when you're working on yourself and I'm working on myself and I'm okay with me and you're okay with you, we, we're going to be okay with everybody, you know. And I yeah. think when we're not okay with ourselves... Uh, that's when uh, it gets complicated. That's amazing. Everyone who's listening and watching, make sure you go and follow Joe across social media. We'll put the links to everything uh, in the sections there so you can follow along. But I want to make sure that you share with me your greatest insights. Tag me and Joe on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, whatever platform you're using. Let us know what you'll be practicing. I hope that there's parts of this conversation that you'll listen to again and again and again because you have to realize that the first time you hear it, there may be some inspiration, there may be some insight, but the second time that repetition is going to help you actually apply, rewire and reconfigure. So make sure you repeat, listen, and make sure you share this with a friend as well so you can discuss it, talk about it, put it into your own language and your vocabulary. That's such an important part of putting this into practice as well. Uh, Joe, as ever, thank you so much for making the time and effort. I know that you've always got unpredictable things happening in your life like <laughs> this morning, but you chose to be here. And uh, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jay. Thank you for having me. Thank you. If you love this episode, you'll enjoy my interview with Dr. Daniel Amen on how to change your life by changing your brain. You want to drip dopamine. Don't dump it. Because when you dump it with the fries and the alcohol, the porn, you don't have much left. And so then you have to... Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Atna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com forward slash Healthier Happens Together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health and Atna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.